Jason Engolan from theheart.org and I'm here today with Dr. Salim Youssef from McMaster University, Hamilton, Ontario and Dr. Sanjay Kool from Cedars-Sinai Heart Institute, Los Angeles. We're here to discuss the results of the polypill study tips which was presented here yesterday by Dr. Youssef. Dr. Youssef, could you please summarize the main findings of your trial for us? Uh, tips included just over 2,000 people, mm -hmm. 400 were randomized to receive a polycap, mm -hmm. it's a capsule mm -hmm. that consisted of five active ingredients, three of them were blood pressure lowering agents at low doses, mm -hmm. and then there was statin, simvastatin at 20 milligrams, mm -hmm. and aspirin at 100 milligrams. It was then compared to eight other groups, mm -hmm. some of them were single groups, like a thiazide alone, mm -hmm or aspirin alone, or statin alone. Three groups were combinations of two blood pressure lowering mm -hmm. agents, and one and two groups had the three blood pressure lowering agent, but then one of them had additionally had aspirin mm -hmm. to find out whether aspirin interferes with the effect of the blood pressure lowering agents. What we found were two main findings. First, the, uh, the polycap was just as effective as the three blood pressure lowering agents given separately. Mm -hmm. uh, second, the statins were slightly less effective mm -hmm. in the polycap compared to giving simvastatin alone. Mm -hmm. And the third thing which really surprised us was the fact that the tolerability of the polycap with five mm -hmm. ingredients was just as good as combinations with four or three or two or one ingredient. And that's an important finding, mm -hmm. which means we can actually formulate something that works well mm -hmm. and is well tolerated. Mm -hmm. And this is something that um, in this trial, the patients were of average risk. Um, they were over 50 with one risk factor, diabetes or a high waist to hip, hip ratio, um, but generally otherwise healthy. Yeah, I think these were people, I wouldn't call mm -hmm. them patients, and they, was, they were individuals over the age of 45 mm -hmm. okay. up to the age of 80. They were all from India, mm -hmm. and uh, they had w one cardiovascular risk factor. It could be hypertension that mm -hmm. was treated with another drug, diabetes, abdominal obesity, a history of smoking, mm -hmm. so any That's one right. of these. But you have said it's a critical first step, but very much a first step, yeah. and that you'd want to do a large outcomes trial in I this think, I think, population. I think we need a series of studies mm -hmm. before we fully understand mm -hmm. the role of the polycap or polypill mm -hmm. in different populations and in different settings. This is a first critical mm -hmm. step, because sure. had this step failed, then I think we could have forgotten the hypothesis. Yeah. This now tells us this hypothesis is worth pursuing. And we're moving into two directions mm -hmm. ourselves for which we have plans. The first of it is to test the current strength mm -hmm. of the polypill mm -hmm. with a f higher dose of the ingredients, mm -hmm. all the ingredients, yeah. except for aspirin, obviously. Okay. And the reason for that is that's the doses recommended and proven in people in, in secondary prevention. Yeah. And the second direction we're going into is really we have to do a large study mm -hmm. to look at clinical outcomes, mm -hmm. and that has to be done in primary prevention. Sure. Dr. Cole, you were not involved in the study, but I've had a chance to 
um, digest the results now. Um, what did you think of the polypill findings? Well, uh, first of all, I would uh, like to congratulate uh, Dr. Yusuf uh, and his group uh, for uh, having the courage and the conviction to carry out this trial. I think this is an important trial that offers uh, the potential of, of pharmacologically targeting the global cardiovascular disease burden. And, uh, but it is a first step and mm -hmm. there are many other issues that need to be worked out. Uh, I think uh, such a strategy for targeting uh, the global cardiovascular disease burden is more likely to be uh, successful in an environment where public health policy uh, drives healthcare. Mm -hmm. So in countries like India and other parts of the world where uh, the, that's, that, that's key. Uh, I would like to see how it will pan out in countries where the physicians uh, um, uh, have an individualized approach to patient care, where they're all interested in titrating individual therapies up and down. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's one key issue I have. The other key issue that I think uh, Dr. Yusuf already alluded to is what kind of uh, studies are necessary to take it uh, to the next step. And I agree with Dr. Yusuf that uh, for a secondary uh, prevention, uh, I don't think we need a, an outcome study uh, addressing efficacy, but we certainly need uh, uh, an outcome study addressing safety in a larger patient population, but we need an outcome study addressing both efficacy and safety in a primary uh, uh, prevention population. As far as the doses are concerned, I think, uh, uh, Salim, I believe that uh, you're better off using a sub-maximal uh, doses in order to provide a cushion. Uh, because you really don't want to lower the blood pressure too much and, and what are you gaining by maximizing the dose? Uh, is, is the trade-off really desirable or not? I think uh, this is an issue we're discussing a great deal, Sanjay. If we increase the blood pressure reduction by 50% more, you know, we had 7.5 millimeter reduction in systolic blood pressure, let's say we take it to 11 or 12 millimeters, will substantially increase the potential benefit on cardiovascular events. Right. Now, of course, what is the trade-off? And that's why absolutely we need trials in the primary prevention population that would address mm -hmm. that. In the secondary prevention population, we're in a dilemma. And the dilemma is we can't do placebo-controlled right. trials. Mm -hmm. And that's a good dilemma. And the reason for that is because we've proven these drugs work. And they've been proven at certain doses. For instance, in this trial, we used ramipride 5 milligrams. In the HOPE study, we used 10 milligrams. Sure. In the heart protection study, 40 milligrams of simvastatin was mm -hmm. used. We used 20 milligrams. So physicians would probably like to use the full dose if possible. Now, it may well be that the low dose may be the optimal for primary prevention. Right. And starting with the low dose may be the right thing in secondary prevention. Once people tolerate it, you go to the fuller dose. Mm -hmm. So you might be in a position where you're tailoring therapy, but you're tailoring therapy based on fewer parameters and therefore fewer steps. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is most physicians do not spend enough time going through three steps of titration of one drug, let alone five drugs. Mm -hmm. So. I'm not concerned that in reality the lack of ability to super tailor therapy, some degree of tailoring is needed. You need a pill without the beta blocker for asthmatic. 
you need a pill without the aspirin for people who are aspirin uh, uh, sensitive. So variations will happen, sure. and, and they ought to happen. We, and we, we need different kinds of polypills and different strengths of the polypill. Different we, combinations. Combinations right. of it, absolutely. I can see a polypill for severe hypertension replacing a beta block and having an amlodipine, for instance, I mean, which is a little more potent. The so, sky's the limit, basically. Not quite. <laughs> that, would, that would be too much. There so, are many permutations that you could have. I know. In the end, you'll end up with a limited number mm -hmm. of permutations, but that will help. And the, the most cardiologists really are not seeing their patients, say, every few weeks to dose titrate. They just aren't. Even most family practitioners aren't. And even in India, it's not a socialized system of medicine, it's an individualized system. Sure. And in fact, uh, India is even more individualistic than the U.S. One, two or three tier system. Or 15 tier <laughs> system, I would say. <laughs> so so I, I think actually India is a very good testing ground for what would work because in the Indian system you have no insurance, you have poor people who can't afford to buy it, you have people who have work-related insurance, you have wealthy people who can afford anything on the mm -hmm. planet. Mm -hmm. So you really have a microcosm of the world True. in an Indian setting. Salim, uh, if I may, uh, there was one particular observation uh, that caught my attention. Um, you have the same dose of simvastatin in the control arm, which is the single therapy arm, and you have 20 milligrams in the combo arm. Right. Why did we see a, a differential impact on LDL? Do you think this is a pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic uh, what interaction? Do you think it's a, it's a statistical fluke? What is it? <clears throat> You're right. We found that when simvastatin alone was given, we had about a 27% uh, lowering in LDL with, with um, uh, simvastatin in the polycap. It was 23%, so 4% lower, and that difference was statistically significantly different. So it would be equivalent to a doubling of the simvastatin dose? Dose, exactly. Right. Not quite, but nearly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're right. And it's something we tried to understand through pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic studies. The first thing we found was the blood level of simvastatin was about 20% lower in the pe people given the polycap compared to simvastatin. But curiously, simvastatin acid levels were 50% higher mm. in the polycap than the simvastatin alone dose. And I'm told by my friends in pharmacology that it's the acid that's the active, active moiety and not simvastatin. I don't know I can't, what this means. So this is a disconnect. This is a disconnect. So I don't have an explanation. Uh, the differential effect was not just on LDL, it was also on ApoB. Of right. course, it's an, which means this is not a fluke, despite the fact it's only a P of 0.04, right. and we had so many p-values we did. What this is telling us is we can't just say, take everything else, put it into put a it bucket, and it's all going to behave the same. You need to do with every polycap some careful studies. Needn't be exactly the same design, but you do need to allay concerns that the different molecules don't interact in unexpected ways. And you had a similar observation with regards to the aspirin as measured through the metabolite in the urine. So you think that that's also a pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic issue or a sampling issue? No, the issue? aspirin issue is, is very curious. 
and it's something in itself we should write up. I, I think the issue with aspirin is we measured urinary thromboxane B2, which is a marker of the way aspirin works. Right. We found that there was a trend to some of the blood pressure lowering agents increasing it and other drugs decreasing it. Mm -hmm. So that it wasn't just aspirin doing it, and we hadn't expected the other drugs to do anything. So thiazide increased it by about 30 units. It wasn't significant, it went the wrong way. Ramapril decreased it by 30 units, so the difference between Ramapril and thiazide was significant. Etanolol also decreased it, so, mm -hmm. and if you added Ramapril plus Etanolol, there was an effect, almost like one-third the effect of aspirin by itself, right. and simvastatin decreased it. So now we've learned something that we never expected, that some of these uh, uh, blood pressure lowering agents have likely antithrombotic effects as well. Isn't that curious? Sure. Salim, that's a very interesting observation to me that suggests that we need a carbo pill without aspirin uh, for at least the primary prevention population. I completely agree, Sanjay. Thank you, gentlemen. This has been a fascinating discussion, and we look forward to seeing further data from you and your team, Dr. Yusuf. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.